It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. My Talkers, it's Tuesday, October 26th. It's kind of a nice fall day out today. and We've got a little surprise for you guys. Special guest host is in studio with us today. Which this is the time of year that laugh makes the most sense. <laughs> yes, Brittany is in for Julia, who injured herself while washing her hands yesterday <laughs> here in the ladies' room. So yeah, it was a surprise to me as well that I am a guest today. Well, Grant knows he had to help her out to her car, carry oh, everything. She no. could for whatever reason, yeah. like she just made a little motion. Something went, and then she couldn't stand up. I mean, she was in agony through the whole show, show yesterday, and her usual ADD was, like, really cut. She could barely handle any story until we got to Sex Monday. Um, <laughs> and then I distracted be- her with laughing. Yeah, did it happen before the show started? It happened, like, yeah, the, the last pee break before oh. we come in here. Like, we got to go, oh... Let's let's go potty before the show starts because we really don't have a chance to how, go again. And how high speed is she peeing? Like <laughs> it was just you know, I know. you hear this people they get up out of bed they bend over for, they're in the shower. I mean these things happen. So she did an emergency Cairo last night and then again today, but she can't move i know i felt so bad she was like listen yeah. listen I need your help and no. I was like I just need you to quit telling me. How I mean, it sounds terrible. Yeah. Well, oh. and today was our, you know, costume uh, thing that we were doing. And Julie and I, as we like to do, we were doing a dual. Of course. Photo. Yeah. She did a lot of the work on one of the props <laughs> yeah. yesterday, yesterday. Thank goodness. Yeah. yeah. And so I just had to, you know, be the model. Yeah, yeah. And Grant, it, yeah. it has a very good costume, too. Yeah, I got a little fun one. It was supposed yeah. to be pictured with Lily, but the costume didn't come in time, so it's solo. But the idea is still there. Yeah, we'll, we'll recognize yeah. who you are. So that that was kind of fun. Are you dressing up and going out at all this weekend? Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, I have a lot of costumes in my basement like i have a go-to shark a panda a shark that i made the fin out of like installation stuff oh my god so i wear that a lot with like you know i have costumes but i don't know i haven't really thought about i'm doing a couple pumpkin carvings and then i never know if i should dress up when i'm handing out candy because it just seems unnecessary like i feel like the kids are the stars yeah and so i just kind of hype them up yeah but yeah, are you going to dress up this weekend? Yeah, Casey and I are. Well, I thought we he was going to be Johnny to my Moira because oh, I've got to be amazing. I've got an amazing. I put together an amazing Moira Rose outfit for myself, and Casey would be a wonderful Johnny because he's got nice thick eyebrows, and I could just make him even thicker with mascara yeah. and just fix his hair. But he told me today he's has another idea, and I'm going to have to be solo Moira. 
Okay. Well, I would have Fine. to say, now that I've thought about it, you are the Midwest Moira. Yes. I mean, you. the wigs, the everything, everything. the airs. I love yeah. it. Yes. And, and you know, I shopped for Moira in my own closet. I, I don't <laughs> doubt that for even a half of a second. Okay. okay. Can we just take a moment to remember a life well lived? You guys might not know the name Tom Moray, but I bet you've been on... The amazing thing that he invented, and he invented um, this. Geez, it wasn't until nineteen ninety eight that this was invented. No, excuse me, not nineteen ninety eight. Let me get down to my story. Anyway, do you guys like to boogie board? I've have, never been. Why yeah. you've never boogie board in oh, the ocean? Yeah. All the time, love it's it. So fun. Yeah, if you if you want to bypass the surfing, which is fun, it's a little more difficult. Bodyboarding, boogie boarding, nothing. Oh, better. so is boogie board just going on there and float? Okay, then I have on the board on your belly. Yeah, yeah on your belly. I thought there was something more elaborate to it. No, like I had to no, stand no, up. no. Okay, then I've totally done. Yes, that. he Tom Mori, eighty six. He created the small, flexible, lightweight boogie board that introduced millions uh, to the wonderful sensation of. Uh, riding waves on their bellies instead of having to stand up on a surfboard. He died um, a couple weeks ago of complications of a stroke at a hospital in Laguna Hills. He was 86. By the time he created the boogie board, Tom Morey had become an expert surfer. He was an engineer at Douglas Aircraft. He was a surf shop owner, a surfboard builder, he created interchangeable surfboard fins, and he created a three-piece surfboard that could fold up and go in a suitcase. Oh, my God. Did this guy ever wear closed-toed shoes, ever? Uh, uh, no. Never. In, in July of 1971, while tinkering in his backyard on the mainland of Hawaii, he cut a piece of uh, you know foam in half with an electric knife and shaped a rounded nose and square tail with the heat of an iron. Mm. He just had this idea, and he took it to the west side of the island, paddled out on the water, and experienced the waves in a whole new way. And he said, I could feel the wave through the board in a way I didn't ever feel on a surfboard. So he began producing boogie boards in 1974. He opened a factory in Carlsbad, California. By 1977, the company had sold almost 100,000 boogie boards, and it increased, like, people's interest in surfing and yeah. doing water stuff. And by at least at one time, boogie board was as popular as skateboarding. That's so in wild. the ocean state. So he sold his company though, early on like 78 to a toy manufacturer for a very small sum and never got any royalties, but he didn't care. Yeah. He, he opened a surf shop. He built uh, custom surfboards. He organized the Tom uh, Mori invitational Surfing tournament in Ventura, California in 1965, and that was the first cash for surfing uh, competition they ever had. So, and he just liked, he kept he, working on surfboard innovations and he played drums with a band at the Mauna Kea Hotel for course, years on the Big Island. Of course he did. Doesn't he seem that it's like, even when you said like he didn't make a lot of money and when he sold it, I was like, he doesn't, he doesn't even care. care. And he like, his lifestyle's pretty chill. I don't think he really needs. No. And he continued to surf until his early 80s. It's funny because I, you and you guys saying boogie boarding, I'm like, oh, I don't think I've done that. But now that you've explained it a little bit, I'm like, of course I've done that. And what's nice about that is anyone can do it. Anyone can do it. Although if you are in good wild surf, you can get 
Um, I've had a couple incidents with boogie boards where I ended up with my bathing suit around my waist yep. and, the sand and twirling like a turtle on its back Barrel trying rolling. to get yep. up. Yep. Or when they have the ones at the water parks now that just shoot that stream of water. Yes. So I took my nanny kids there years ago and I watched them all just get demolished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, they called me Brit Nanny. Brit Nanny, your turn. And I'm like, uh, uh, no <laughs> literally never. never. Literally <laughs> never. I wouldn't like... I have, you can't look cool on that. Sorry, yeah, I'm not doing it. But it is really fun to boogie board if the waves are to your liking. It's That's easy fun, yeah. and you it's know, doable. I mean, surfing is do- so intimidating. It's so, so like, hard. Yeah, it's, I think this is, when you're going on vacation and you go what once a year, maybe tops. This is the sport. Yeah, this is sport. So okay, listen. When we come back, it is our story. We can't get enough of song to describe the roller coaster ride that Katie Couric is on with the release of her new book. And of course, Um, any chance to play Bleachers, we love to do it. And they are playing at the Fillmore tonight. And you gonna be there? I am gonna be there. Yeah, you of are. course. Uh, of course. If there's a concert, Lori's well, there. no, I haven't done like a concert. I haven't done two concerts in one weekend. Uh not since COVID started. Yeah. So that feels kind of good. But Chris yeah. Freeman Schneider I uh, said to me, he said, well, just know that you and I and your husband will be the oldest teenagers there because it's an all ages show. That'll be <laughs> so fun. So, just like the music. It's the kind of music that you can just oh, do I that. Love, like, I love like that band. Elbows and knees dancing all over the place. Yeah. Although we're not down on the um, standing room only. I did get us seats because of the Rolling Stones. Yeah, I'm and, sure you, you made know, up for the price. Standing difference. for four hours. Oh, yeah. Pricing, too. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, um, so Katie Kirk, her. Uh, book. Uh, it's called Going There, and it came out on, um, I think it, it's today. Okay. And Neil Justin got a copy of it, read it. Um, he has a review in the paper today in the Star Tribune, and then Katie was also on The View yesterday. And she was so passive, aggressive, and defensive about her book, because the ladies had some very pointed questions about Matt Lauer, about Mm -hmm. what she said about other women, about what she left out of a Ruth Bader Ginsburg story. All stories that Katie herself has shared in her story. She's bringing them to the table. Yeah, and Sunny Hostin said to her, okay, Katie, you know, I had the perfect opportunity to read your book because I flew to California and back this weekend. Now, from New York to California, that's six hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can definitely finish a book. On a leg of that trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, okay. But that's, yeah, that's that's actually diligent, too, to sit down and do that. Yeah. So she kept, though, every question that Sunny had for her, Katie would preface it by saying, well, if you would, if you had read the book. Whoa, oh, shots fired. Shots fired. And, 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 yeah, she said it to Sunny at least three times. And Sunny was nice enough not to say, well, I did read the book. She just kept trying to get her. She was very dismissive and tried to what I'll call white woman splain what she wrote in her own book. Wow. Sunny. And is I don't know that people are buying it, but here's Neil Justin's take. And um here's how it starts. The former CBS anchor burns bridges in her book going there. She's finally shed her perky persona. It's gonna cost her. Her gossip-filled autobiography 
reads more like a never-ending vendetta than a memoir. Dang! Dang! Almost every short chapter comes across like a rabbit punch aimed at the kidneys of one former acquaintance after another. Tom Werner, who may have helped the Boston Red Sox return to their winning way, he was a loser. I have a boyfriend, former CBS chairman Les Moonves, close talker with bad breath. (laughs) Prince Harry had a strong aroma of alcohol and cigarettes oozing from every pore. Former CBS execs uh, Jeff Fager and David Rhodes are self-satisfied schmucks. The 60 Minutes crew wouldn't give her a second of their time. Melissa Mayer at Yahoo was in over her head and even worse... She once arranged for a lunch meeting with Katie at a joint that specialized in soup. <laughs> Katie writes this. But, like, this and, is what we want. Well, but do you really want this kind of... I mean... But, like, don't we? You know how many times memoirs come out and tell us nothing? At least she's telling us something. Well, but the few kind words are for no one, really. I love okay, it. He I said, mean, um, bridges, Katie. And he said many of Kirk's... right. Neil just writes, many of her victims deserve... The jabs. The yeah. former Today Show and CBS News anchor paints a world full of uh, masochistic gatekeepers who get away with bad behavior. She meticulously documents her relationship with Matt Lauer and how it slowly unraveled after he was fired for inappropriate workplace behavior, reprinting their text exchanges that became more and more chilly. Um, producer Jeff Zucker goes for being her staunchest ally to a smug know-it-all who helped doom her short-lived show, Katie. Remember the afternoon show? Yeah, for like two and a half seconds. Even her late husband doesn't escape criticism. While she spends much of her book drooling over her beloved, and there's a little too much about their sex life, she questions his fascination with the Civil War and speculates that he had misguided affections for Robert E. Lee. Again, she's disclosing all this. Katie, what is going on? And then Neil writes, Katie Kirk would argue she's also tough tough on herself. And that is somewhat true because she does um, uh, confess different things that she did. But Neil writes, too often Kirk paints herself either as the victim of her times or someone on the sidelines. She writes so many things that would make a journalism ethics professor shudder. Just like stories about um, arranging a tea party at the White House for a dying sister, putting her daughter on Hillary Duff's float. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. 
be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. During the Macy's Day Thanksgiving Parade, um, making another journalist wait to interview Hugh Jackman so her daughter could for oh her eighth grade God. Um, paper. and um, It's so cringy. Yeah, it is. Uh, she tells all about how she threw herself a 50th birthday party at Tiffany's with uh, Tony Bennett and Bette Midler as the as uh, the performers. And he said, if you want to know what designer clothes she was wearing, she shares all of that. Um, so... Anyway, he said there were a few stories that he truly got a kick out of, like how Jeff Zucker once arranged for an NBC traffic helicopter to buzz Dionne Warwick Warwick during an outdoor performance at GMA, (laughs) just to bug them. Um, But he said, Kirk isn't terribly interested in prepping the next generation of journalists. Going there seems more about getting her name back in the press and getting revenge if those were her goals, she succeeded. I just hope she doesn't expect any congratulations from a lot of former friends. Dang. So does that make you want to read it? Or do you Kinda. feel like we've read it now I mean, I'm good I, with okay. Neil reading it? Yes, yes. I would say that. But I would have to say that a lot of times these memoirs come out and you go, they're not going to say anything. Yeah. They, and it is refreshing. I mean, albeit that seems like she literally is on an island now, that she did kind of... Burn some bridges. I mean, it's her point of view, so yes, it's not course. necessarily wrong or right. But yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. Like, I, I get enough from the facts that you just spit out. Like, I don't need to read it. I no. don't need to read it, but I find it more interesting than I would have thought. Yeah, it would be. Uh, my sister, or my most of my family has met Katie Couric. Oh, they have. Yeah, yeah. Because because uh, my uh, cousin, who's the Olympic swimmer, they had a big event for her, and Katie Couric was one of the host people. Got so it, got yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Who's your Olympic uh, uh, Katie Ledecky. Yes, that's right. Because, God, how many Olympics has she been in? Uh, three. Three. Three, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to meet Matt Lauer. Oh, you did? Good <laughs> for you. <laughs> yeah. What was he? He was nice. I yeah. fine. Yeah, I mean, he was like, fine. He wasn't chasing no, or anything. <laughs> well, that's the question. And right. Al Roker as well, who was also lovely. But, like, of course they were. I mean, I was with my 95-year-old grandma. Like, yeah. what were they going to say or do? Yeah, the the thing that really bugged me was one of her, her first interview that she did with uh, Savannah last week when she, she just seems like she's revealed herself to be kind of an unpleasant person. Yeah. And kind of a Karen. But when she told... Uh, Savannah, that in the 90s, consensual relationships had a different uh, meaning than what they do now. We were just like, oh, that's so gross. Katie, get with the times, girl. Get with it. Anyway, I'll be anxious to hear what Jason thinks when he reads it. Yeah. I'm sure he's going to read it. I love that. That'd be great. I'm probably not going to read it. Thank you, Neil Justin. (laughs) (laughs) All right, listen, what's happening on the roads? Well, not a lot of traffic right now to talk about, actually. Just a few accidents. Thanks for hanging out with us. It is time for uh, Lori and Julia Book Club uh, pick. We're really delighted. 
This is the first time we've had an author in studio. Jess Laurie is with us. Hi, Jess. Thanks for having me. You're so welcome. And we have read some of your other books, Unspeakable Things, Bloodline, and your latest book, Latani. Am litany. I saying Litany? I, I, yeah, I pronounce it litany. litany. It's a made up word, though, so either one's fine. Okay, Litany. <laughs> litany with an I, L I T A N I. And Jess, you're. Such a good mystery writer. Damn it, we like your books. Oh, thank you. I, You know, I love hearing that because they're really hard to write. <laughs> I believe it. Because yeah. when did we talk to you last? Was it Unspeakable Things? It was Bloodline. It was Bloodline. about a year ago. Yeah. And, and we, we were, were on the phone. Yes, Rick. Everybody had to be on the phone mm-hmm. back then. Yeah, it's exciting to be here. And the uh, Unspeakable Things, Bloodline, and Litany are all true crime inspired, and they're all Minnesota-based. So. Yeah, okay. Tell us, this, give us the setup of Latani, because it's a real page turner. Yeah, thank you. I got the idea for it in 2016. I had a bunch of high school friends over at my house, and we're talking about real crime in Minnesota. And my friend said, "You are familiar with Jordan, Minnesota, the 19 mid 1980s." And I had not ever heard of all of that. Mm. And so I started. Digging. I had forgotten about that until right. I read that in your book. I and if I knew about it, just went over my head. I was you know 13, 14 mm-hmm. in the mid 80s, and so it was internationally horribly famous child sex abuse scandal involving 25 adults and dozens of children in this tiny town of Jordan, Minnesota. And so people came from all over the world. People magazine was camped out in Jordan, the Chicago, New York times, everybody was camped out trying to, trying to catch the story. And it sort of fizzled out in 1984 with the lead prosecutor dropping the charges against all but one person. And it's just this terrifying story. And so I use that as inspiration for Litany because in reading all of these accounts, of course, the children's names are protected as Mm -hmm. they should be, but the children are also sort of erased. And it's um, about all the adults who are either wrongfully accused or weren't accused and did commit crimes. And it just had me thinking, what about the kids? Yeah. So this is a fictionalized version of that story. Do you do a lot of research then? To help you come up with what the flow of the story is going to be? I do. I do enough that I have the facts and then I slap fictional characters mm-hmm. on them. So they're sort because we can't know what everybody's thinking or talking about in the in the mid 80s. And so I create fictional characters that go through a lot of the real events. Was there um, like I'm curious about the prosecuting the district attorney. What happened to her? What was her name? Kathleen Morris was her name. That's, and what happened? Did she become a judge? She, no, she, no, she, listen to me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all ready to get excited. <laughs> well, it's a million dollar question. Cause nobody knows what happened to her. So she was, she was sort of disgraced after this, like internationally disgraced mm-hmm. after this, cause she walked away from it and then she wasn't disbarred, but she sort of disappeared. And I honestly, I couldn't find any information. She really? might've practiced in Shakopee for a few years afterward, but I couldn't find any footprint anywhere. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it really is. The book is the summer of 84 and this 14 year old Frankie Jubilee is shuttled Mm -hmm. off from her home in California and go to go live with her mom, who is a prosecuting, a a district attorney. Yes. She's the, she's, uh, and she prosecuted fictionally and Kathleen Morris also did this in real life, prosecuted a few years before this, a very famous legitimate sex abuse ring near Jordan, Minnesota. She So she had been coming off that hot case, and then she took on sort of this satanic panic uh, in my book as well as in real life. And so, 
Yeah, the poor little Frankie Jubilee moves from California to Litany. She doesn't really know her mother. She knows something weird is going on in town. They call it the game. Everybody wants her to play the game, uh, but she doesn't. Her instincts are saying no, but she also doesn't know who to hang out with. So she sort of walks into the cave. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and then also the whole storyline about you know between her mom and dad, and yeah. that's a very interesting side story to that. Yeah, yeah, I love that you read it. That's so kind oh, of you. I'm of sure you were so busy and you I made read it this summer. This. Oh, that was... I read it in like two days. I was just <laughs> like, I, but I really love a mystery. Yeah, you know, and I do. I've liked you know your other books and stuff, yeah. and I think that. Um, I also think, you know, one of the things is that you, in your stories, because um, I'm trying to think what bloodline, was that the one that was like in, um, what part of Minnesota was that? It was, was a fictional Painesville, Minnesota. Painesville, that's yeah, right. Yes. I, I, I guess I like how you center the victims of the crimes, the, part, the center part of the story. I think that is... Uh, you know, a great thing that you do as a writer that you keep that in mind. I am going to marry you because that is my, <laughs> that is, seriously, that is everything I'm trying to do with these books because I, I, I read widely. I love all sorts of mysteries, mm-hmm. but I, I really, the people who are getting hurt are the ones who are so important to me. And so to give them center stage and also empower them to either solve the crime or find some healing if it can't be solved is so important to me. And so that with my last three books, that's, I've got it posted on my wall, center the victim. And so you picked up on that. Yeah. And I absolutely love that. No, I, I, I do like that. And I do think that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's always, you know, it, when you have a protagonist like 14 year old Frankie mm-hmm. exploring the dark secrets, the sinister thing, what part is her mom playing in? I mean, you just keep the story going and going. You're like, I'm turning the next page. And it was like binge <laughs> reading, you know. Uh, how did you um, decide like that you were going to write? Yeah, you know, my parent, my mother was an English teacher and we had, we were very poor growing up, but we had a library full of uh, garage sale paperbacks. And so it was hundreds of books. And so I just. You read in- I just read. I was in rural Minnesota. We lived 11 miles outside of Painesville. You know, we had that little black and white TV with the four channels. Mm-hmm. And so I just read a lot of books. And it seemed like, for me, it, it saved me. I had a rough childhood. It saved me. It transported me. And so I've just always loved stories. So you just decide, like, I mean, did you go to school? Yeah. Did you get your MFA? You know, like, walk us through that. Yeah. So I, you know, so... I didn't know anybody who was a writer. It's one of those, like, be a ballerina, be an actor. Like, how, right, <laughs> right. Go, how do you do I mean, that? Good luck with that. And so I went to college to be a teacher uh, because being an English teacher was as close as I could come to being in story. And I had a really good professor at St. Cloud State, Rex Feeder, and he encouraged me for my, um, for my master's thesis because I stayed there to get my master's to write a novel. It's terrible. It's a, it's such a bad, it's such a bad, I tried to steal it out of the St. Cloud State Library. My, it's so bad, but I had somebody believing me and he, and he just said, you yeah. know, just keep practicing. So I kept practicing. Um, and then in uh, 2001, my then husband committed suicide. Oh no. And I had, and I hadn't really written stories since then. And I was pregnant at the time. And so I was, I really needed to have stress go out rather than in. Mm -hmm. And so I started writing Mayday, which was uh, my cry for help, but also a humorous mystery, right? And so it was my first book. I finished it in 2002 and I spent the next two years trying to get an agent. Um, And I didn't, I had 
dial-up internet, so I didn't really even have email. So I would print out letters on that old dot matrix printer paper, send them out to agents. I'd send out 50 a week. I'd get rejections, send out 50 more, and I finally got an agent. Is that the hardest part, do you think, in being writers, finding an agent? Is that the thing you have to be the most persistent? I think so. I mean, now you can self-publish, and there are people making a good career out of it, but it's a lot of work. I do think getting an agent is the hardest. Yeah. And it's a relationship, too. You want somebody who you can work with. Yeah, like on your first book, was your agent like, no, you got to rewrite this again. you got to rewrite this again. Yes. Is that what happens? Yeah, and I'm actually on my fourth agent now. (laughs) (laughs) My first one was wonderful, but we had a misunderstanding. Uh, My second one was this, it turns out, sold crystals in Colorado on the side, and that was her main business. Oh, my (laughs) word. Let her focus on that. Yeah, right. She wanted her to have all the time for that. And my third one was wonderful, but she couldn't sell my stuff. And so my fourth one now, yeah, and she edits everything. She's like, nope, this isn't going to sell. This Mm -hmm. isn't working. Get this out. More of this. Wow. Um, We're talking with Jess Laurie. The book is uh, Litany. It's L-I-T-A-N-I. And uh, it's just, it's really really a great um mystery thriller story um how is it are you back out doing book clubs are you doing appearances again i actually am doing my first two in person in over a year i've got a signing at majors and quinn this friday at six. Oh, good and then launch party at once upon a crime saturday at two people should come in costume and there'll be champagne oh, oh fine nice. yes. yeah and it'll be masked up because everybody yeah. will be close yeah. but it's going to be a great time are you looking forward to that I have to stop myself from hugging other humans when I see them because I just, it's been so isolating. I really want to be with people who love to read and people who just want to hang out. Yeah. Um, are you working on another book now or are you just enjoying <laughs> litany and all of your hard work? I don't, as a Midwestern gal, we don't know how no. to just, you're, no, you're already right? started. I know. Yeah. Yeah. You just tell in your eyes, you're like, right. what? Sit <laughs> what back is, and enjoy something. That's what insane. These words? Yeah. <laughs> I actually did just turn in my next novel, which comes out next summer. And it's about the time there were three serial killers operating in St. Cloud in the seventies. Wow. And that one, oh my God, it's is oh my this? god, I love that you're creeped up by your own oh, I book. I am so like, creeped up by that book. I am so buying these. These are so fun. <laughs> Has, have, have any of your books, have they been optioned for Blood, series? Bloodline was by um, 20th Century Fox slash Disney. Mm-hmm. And it's still, you know, they just, it's still sitting there. Like, yeah. Okay. yeah, the options sort of sit there, but... I would love to see that one because it's such a creepy 60s Stepford Wives. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah. Maybe that, that period. It seems like Hollywood likes to make series based on a period of time, too. If yeah. that's, you know, they can do the costumes, get the music, right. get set the whole story. And there's something so magical about no cell phones when it comes to scary things, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can't just call someone up and that fixes the problem. Yeah, you know, that was a, a happy accident. I discovered writing things set pre-cell phones. When you're writing a mystery, people are like, well, just call for help. Totally, text your mom. <laughs> <Yeah. right? laughs> but it's 1960, you run to the payphone yeah. and hope you have a quarter or a dime, yeah. a dime in the 60s. Right, yeah. or like if you're a kid, your mom be back by dinner time or dark yeah. or whatever, yeah. you know, and off you went. Yeah. Or just meeting somebody, even at the mall, if they don't show up you can't just ask them where they're at don't like, you marvel you know? at how did we do yeah, it i, I, I have no idea but we did it <laughs> i have i mean i've thank god barely experienced it but yeah that's All really right. cool it's, it's so awesome to meet you thank you i'm happy to be yeah here. jess thank you so much for coming in studio again um we're talking with jess Lori. the book is uh litany l-i-t-a 
N-I, and you'll be at Majors and Quinn on Friday night? Friday at 6 o'clock, once upon a crime, Saturday at 2 o'clock. At 2. So yeah. if you're a fan of mysteries and thrillers, you definitely want to read anything that Jess uh, Laurie writes. And we've got a couple copies to give away. Call 651-641-1071, and Grant will set you up. Thank you, Jess. Oh my gosh, thank you. I've been, had so much fun. All right, good. Dave, well, all right, listen, we'll be right back. All right, thanks for hanging out with us. We're yeah. trying to be everything entertainment and some books, and too. I love that. Just who won the books? Great. We have uh, Janet and Ginger are our two winners. So, Ooh. yeah. Were they excited? Very much so, yeah. absolutely. She's got a lot, a lot of great books out. Okay, so uh, Dancing with the Stars. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, was back last night. Tyra didn't scare me as bad as I thought she was going to with her costumes. Okay, yeah. And I heard they're all everybody did spooky costumes. Yeah, they did spooky. It was actually a really, really fun night on Dancing with the Stars. And the guy that that like ran away with the night is this former NBA star, Iman Shumper, Shumper. Uh-huh. He's married to Tayana. That they have, they've got a reality show on E, I think. Mm-hmm. But his partner, they did a contemporary dance. You know, because he's like seven feet tall. Yeah. So Not, the size difference between him and his partner, it was, it was amazing, and it was inspired by the horror movie Us. Yeah. It was really, it was frightened, frighteningly good. It was just incredible. Their costumes are amazing. When you go look at them, they're oh. just insane. Yeah, ABC is spending some money on Dancing with the Stars. I, I wish they'd spend some money and bring back Tom Bergeron. Thank but, you. Uh, Tyra is just a hopeless... Um, <laughs> what did she look like last night? Well, she was, I think, uh, like maybe a a. a, a bride like it was supposed to be the mummy bride but oh. not a big commitment to her costumes last night um maybe they're trying to slowly fade it away a little I, bit i i doubt that no. i think they poured all the money into the costumes for the the stars got it but the uh then uh, derek huff one of the judges he did a dance shirtless a spooky dance that mm. was kind of nice mm. we appreciated that I'm and of sure. course i love how len goodman just absolutely refuses to dress up <laughs> you know he's just in his I'm suit good. in his pocket square he's I'm like good. he's not doing that yeah but it was really a fun night but i was bummed that kenya uh was sent home well there's lots of rumors about that so i had watched a couple different i had read a couple blogs about claiming that if if she had, and this is the day prior, if she gets kicked off, then uh, there's something going on with people's scheduling over the actual show. Uh, because uh, 
Real Housewives of Atlanta started filming, I think, next week. All right. Yeah, they are. They are. And Marlo is officially get to be a peach holder. And we Long get... time friend of the show, Marlo gets a peach. She's been trying for 10 years, you guys. She's been, she has used her budget on outfits five years ago. Yeah. Um, and Sheree. Right? Remember oh, she Sheree, Sheree is back. She coming by back. Sheree. I still want that jumpsuit and that athleisure wear that she promised me. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so that's what it is. You think that they're starting. Well, she I... was a... Excellent dancer. I was. That's why shocked. I don't know why she'd be. But you know, I would say out of all of them, she's definitely more falls more. And you know this on the villain side usually when it comes to stuff. So I don't know. I it's more personalities than dancing. When she it comes had to these the things. lowest score like uh, for this week, and yeah. I don't know. I mean, to me, she's the longest. She's lasted longer than any other reality person, longer than Kim, longer than other reality people, Uh, because she really is a pretty good dancer and really, really surprised me how how enjoyable she was to watch dance. Uh, I definitely think that if she was able to manage to get in her contract that she gets to leave, she's got life set. I mean, because. She had to do this to a certain point, and then she gets to go now film the Real Housewives without. Because they say that dancing schedule is it's, rigorous. Yeah, it's, I, I mean, it. yeah. So I think she kind of, and then to come in with a dancing bod, a Real Housewives of Atlanta. It's a she's living a pretty good life right now. Yeah, she seemed very sad about leaving. She was really loving it. I think she could have pushed back on the filming, but anyway, yes, I do. I I do see that they are starting to film next week for Atlanta. Yeah, um, Bethany Frankel. Uh, um, tweeted last night about the book um, "Not All Diamonds and Roses" about the inside story about the Real Housewives. She true. She said, "I think we need more stories about women trashing women." Or can we publish a book about it? Is that a good idea? Wow. Um, yeah, she's she's. I think she's pretty annoyed. And you know what? It actually is kind of nice to speak up for some of the people. And I'm not. These women are so vulnerable and they give up so much information to these people and producers. And then it feels like this is pretty weaponized. Um, I'm still debating. I don't know. I might buy this book still. Yeah. I, I've been wanting to read it. We've and I tried to get the guy on since like June. We've been trying to book him. Yeah, Julia, I've sent emails. Mm-hmm. You've DM'd him directly. Yeah. We've had multiple attempts to try to get him on. So. He's getting enough little tidbits. I mean, because, um, well, when we talked to Luann yesterday, she said she just gave him a little bit because she's working on her own book. Yeah. Smart move. Um, she said, um, Bethany also went on to tweet, I've had my regrettable moments, but capitalizing on our weaknesses, that's rich. Literally, women supporting women, LOL. She was one of the only housewives who chose not to be included in the tell-all. Um, also, I think Alex and Simon. Okay, yeah. They which... also did not want to have anything to do with it. And... Um, she said, I vaguely remember being approached about it and taking a hard left. I don't know. It just keeps coming up. I just didn't feel like sharing some of these stories. Yeah. I So I mean, she the thing is, is a lot of these people that are in these are money motivated. She's just not money motivated. Right. I, she talks about uh, leaving Real Housewives of New York and it, everyone asks her, you know, it's because you want to get paid more. And she goes, no, it's actually I had to stop and think to myself. 
I'm doing this because I'm getting paid so much. And she's like, I just am in a place in my life that I don't have to do that. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to make those choices based on money now. And so she, she definitely, I could see why she wouldn't be in this book because she doesn't need to be. Yeah. And a lot of the other women, they kind of need to be. Right. Right. How about, um, were you shocked at all that, uh, Katie and Blake, the Canadian from the bachelorette this spring or this, I think it ended in June. They've already called off their engagement. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. (laughs) I thought they'd last longer than my marriage. And so the fact that they have, yeah, they're, she lives in San Diego. He's, he lives in Canada and he's a committed Canadian. And I don't think it's been easy to travel between Canada and the U.S. No. So they've had to do a lot of sexting and phone calls and talking and about she, talking. She and doesn't talking. seem like the type that's in love with being in love. Yeah. As hardcore as a lot of the people that are on that show. Yeah. So, of course. I so mean, another broken engagement in the <laughs> graveyard called The Bachelor Bachelorette. Big Brother has more successful yes. marriages and babies because than they have The to, Bachelor. They have to live together. together they have right. to live together. And we yep. all know that's disgusting. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. All right. Thanks. Hey, we'll see you on the other side of four o'clock.